Luke chapter 6, verses 20 through 26. I'm going to pray and then we'll jump right in. Father God, we love you. We thank you. We cherish you as our greatest treasure. We pray that you would do a work in our midst today through your word. I pray that it would uh, be clear that the message would find the hearts, that it would lodge there, Father, and it would make a difference. Not my words, but yours. Holy Spirit, work that, grow that, water that, Father. That's what we need in 2018. We don't need to, uh, I mean, I get it, it's good to lose weight, but Father, it ain't about our physical nature. Father, we need a, a revitalization of the inside. We need, a, we need a revival, Father, not in our bank accounts, but in our love account with you. We want you to pour into it. And help us to feel that today in your son's name. Amen. So, some interesting facts before we jump in. We're, we're here in this, in this series in the book of Luke. We're going chapter by chapter, verse by verse. And we have found ourselves uh, right after Jesus has go, gone up into the mountain. He's prayed. He has his 12 disciples that he has just named, right? Um, we, we had some, some good uh, messages around that whole uh, thing right there. So if you haven't, I'm not sure if the mic's cutting in and out or not. Uh, but I hope, we're, I hope it's recording. But um, we have things uh, around that as far as Jesus making those important decisions. Um, so go back and listen to the messages if you haven't been here. But today finds us uh, where he has already elected his 12 disciples. He's coming down the mountain and he finds a, a ledge, like a plateau, if you will. And there he stands as he delivers his very first message. So this is Luke's account. Probably the more famous account would be in Matthew where he uh, lists eight Beatitudes, what are known as the Beatitudes or the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, Frankly, after studying Luke and going in in depth in in this book and in this series, I kind of like the way Luke approaches it. Um, So you're going to get it from that angle. A lot of times um, people want to, they really struggle with the fact that the Gospels give different accounts or give different uh, versions, if you will, of the story. But just think about one thing in, in terms of uh, when, when, the, when the author is writing in Greek and Jesus was speaking in a different language, right? Just, just that one little fact alone, uh, if he's speaking in Aramaic and then they're copying it and translating it down into Greek, there's going to be some different wordings, some different variations, but the meaning holds true. And, and it's more, I would, I would say this, think about... Luke, his version of the story is his version, and he is more of a historian being a physician, right? Very detail-oriented, uh, whereas uh, one may be from a different perspective, being in an in a, uh, inner uh, circle of Jesus being one of the twelve. So just think about that. There's a difference in time when one was written. Uh, there's a difference in language. There's a difference in thought process because they're different writers. So look at the Gospels in a sense of Luke's version of the first sermon of Jesus is totally different than Matthew's. Yeah, they're different people. And they're being handed to us in different ways for different reasons. So we're going to accept those as Holy Spirit driven, as Holy Spirit inspired, First Timothy 3.16. We accept the word of God as something that God gave to us on purpose and was very deliberate about it. And so we're going to celebrate those differences. We're going to highlight those differences. And if you'll do it the way that I think the word of God is supposed to be read and interpreted, you're going to be blessed from that this morning. Uh, it's, it's funny and it's often that the critic says, I just can't take it that way. I just can't see that, what you're seeing. Absolutely, because your eyes are blinded by your sin. And you've not accepted 
accepted Jesus Christ as the living Word of God, so therefore it's not going to speak to you. So we need to pray for them, we need to love them, we need to show them the love of Christ from the Word of God so that they uh, can have blinded eyes see. And then they'll see what's in the Word of God and they'll accept it. But don't take... um, Don't take the claims of some that are uh, spiritually blind, uh, that have not been able to see what Scripture is saying as fact and truth uh, when we know the Word of God says otherwise. And and so anyway, there's so many videos, so many things out there. uh, The Bible calls them false teachers. Um, Here's one example. So uh, my wife and I went away for a couple days this week. And uh, uh, it was was good, but it was for a specific purpose. And we had a, a panel of people that were speaking into our lives as it pertains to ministry. So we were kind of representing our ministry, representing our work uh, down in McLean, Virginia. And it was, it was a really, really good experience. Both of us needed it. But anyway, so we ended one full day of like assessment is what they call it. So basically being interrogated spiritually, right? Uh, on our marriage, on our this, on our that. So we were ready to take a break. So we went out. Uh, that night, and we got some dinner at a mall down in Tyson's, which is a pretty cool area, right? Uh, the church in McLean is like right around the corner from Tyson's. And uh, so it's a really nice mall. We're walking around, and I'm, I'm basically uh, window shopping, you know what I mean, in, in that mall. I'm going in the Tesla store, sitting in the car in a mall. Isn't that crazy? And uh, just enjoying that and uh, teasing with the workers there. And so then she says, I'm going to go into to Lush. Anybody know what Lush is? Okay, all right, sure, absolutely. Uh, you know, I'm going for, for rainy to get a bath bomb. I'm sure you're going in there for rainy. Yeah, uh-huh, you're going in there for yourself. I already know that. But, I, you know, that's why I'm married almost 10 years. I just let her do her thing, right? So anyway, so I'm like, okay, if you're going to go into Lush, I'm going to go somewhere else that sounds more manly, okay? All right, so I went down the way because I don't even really know what Lush is, but I know that one thing, it, I don't belong in Lush, okay? So anyway, so I went uh, where Lush wasn't. And uh, I found myself in a, in a bag that had clocks and watches and leather goods and pens and notebooks and, and neat cords that were made by GE out of this company in Detroit. And I'm a big, like, I like history, so I'm talking to the sales rep in there, and I'm like, hey, tell me the story about this company. This thing is awesome. Well, basically what it is is it's a revitalization for the area of Detroit, and they've went into the community and found workers within uh, to, to train them on how to make watches and how to bring back the crafts of leather and... And, um, you know, they ship restore and they restore leather in. And it's just this amazing story. Wonderful story. One leather bag was $1,000. And I was like, oh, I bet it's bringing change in Detroit. You know what I'm saying? Anyway, but it was, it was a cool, uh, it was a, it was a, a cool place. And, um. So I was at least probably three, four stores down from my wife. And I come out of the store. I'm like, where is she? i got to convince her. I have to sell her on this bag that I need to finance <laughs> just to walk out with, you know. And uh, I'm like, where is she? So I step out and I look down and she's cornered in the front of Lush by these three people that have her surrounded. And uh, I'm like, interesting. So I'm like walking down and she looks up and she goes, oh, here's my husband. He's a pastor. And I thought, oh, here we go. He's a pastor. So I said, can I help y'all? Is there something that you need? You know? Oh, no, we were just talking about Passover. I said, really? Talking to my wife about Passover? I love to talk about the Bible. In fact, it's my favorite thing to talk about. What do you believe about the Passover? And uh, they're like, oh, well, we should practice it. I'm like, cool. I said, we practiced it once on a cross, right? And Jesus' blood is constantly applied. 
So I start going in with it, and the ringleader, you can always tell when these cults, uh, there's always like one training the other two, right? And they're the one in the back, standing there like, all right, don't forget that scripture verse. And they have their like four that they know, right? They're like four scripture verses that they're just ready to, so I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. So you got to break this down for me. I said, I'm really like, it takes me a while. I'm kind of slow with this. And, and I want to make sure I really understand your position on, on these sorts of things. I said, because you obviously think it's very important. You cornered my wife in this store. Literally, she walked up to my wife, now that I'm hearing the story, and she taps my wife on the shoulder, and my wife turns, and she goes, oh, 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 like it was a mistake, right? She, they had, like, really good tactics. And, and then my wife's like, oh, it's okay. And she goes, hey, ma'am, you know, since I tapped you on accident, what do you believe about Passover? And my wife was like, it's kind of weird. Uh... I believe in it? Sure, you know? So I start asking, and it was a, um, it was a black guy and two Asian ladies. And I thought, okay, one, one of the uh, Asian ladies was in the back, one Asian lady here, more outspoken than, than the other. And the, the black guy, I was kind of like, you know, if, if you know me, you know that culturally I identify easily. I, I really enjoy rap music and uh, all things in, in that culture. Where's Mo, by the way? Come on, where's he at? Oh, man, I miss him. We were texting all week. I was like, man, you got to come. But uh, anyway, so I felt like he was kind of new to this. I could feel that. I could sense it. Because he was looking to the other two for that like verification and validation. So the one says, do you keep Passover? And I said, uh, not, I don't think I keep it in the way you keep it. So then she says, well, don't you believe Jesus has already come back? And I said, no, ma'am, I don't. I said, I believe he came one time in his first advent and that we're looking to the second coming. Oh, sir, he's already come back. We're looking for the third coming. I said, explain that from the book of Revelation who tells us about his second coming. It says he'll appear on a white horse. There's a visible tattoo on his, on his thigh that says King of Kings and Lord of Lords. I've missed that. I haven't seen that specific thing happen. Oh, well, um, uh, so uh, basically he came back in 1948. 1948. How many know what happened in 1948 that was historical biblically? Israel became a nation. So I asked them, I said, are, are you talking about the significance of Israel becoming a nation? No, no, I mean, he literally came back and, and the Holy Spirit is this man's wife in South Korea. And I'm like, whoa, <laughs> wait a minute. So I look at this young man who I felt like was very ill-informed. And I said, let me tell you something. I love you. I want you to find truth. I love you too. I love both of you ladies, but it seems like both of you have your mind made up. And I feel like you're confused. Let me explain something to you about an eschological timeline. About the end time prophecy and the other two, their eyes got real big. Let me explain something to you of why we're not Sabbatarian. Sabbatarian? What does that mean? Is that what you are? You're a Sundatarian because you worship on Sunday? She started making fun of me. She started mocking me. And I said, it's okay, sister. You can't even define your position of where you are in end time prophecy. 
You don't even know that you're amillennial. You don't even know that what you think, what you think you are isn't even represented in the text. It's okay. Let me talk to this young man right here who's obviously confused. So I start laying it on him. I'm like, man, I love you. I want you to study the word of God. I want you to know that Jesus made atonement. He is our Passover lamb. He did what he did for all of us, for the world. His blood is applied. He's seated in heavenly places. And we're waiting for him to come back and claim us, the church of God, not the, what was it? World Mission Society Church of God is what they called themselves. And the lady, one of them who I found was the ringleader, said, Sir, we have to run. And I said, Sweetheart, in American culture, having to run doesn't literally mean running. It just means you have to go. I'll walk with you. Because I want to talk to this young man. My heart went out to him. I wanted to speak life into him because he was looking at me like, "Uh Uh-uh, you know something I don't know. So, so all that being said, I started to walk with him. <laughs> I'm like, so let me tell you, let me start at the beginning. And she says, sir, sir, stop. No, no, we literally have to run. So they started physically running in the mall. Running. And I was like, brother, come on, come back. Trust me. I am your lifeline. You want to go to church with me. Let me speak life into you. Oh, uh, I think one of them was, was his girlfriend or something. Because he had to go. But at the end of the day, there is no shortage of false teachers. We were blown away. We, we were like burdened. We got in the car and we prayed in our hearts for that young man. False teachers that take the Bible and twist it ten ways to Friday just for their own advantage. We did the research on this, this cult. They were denounced by the Christian society in South Korea. This cult was back in when? The 80s? I think it was like 85. And and this guy who's claiming himself to be pretty much Jesus, his wife is the Holy Spirit, right? Go figure. Yeah, go figure. And they're building their kingdom. Follow the money. But I was just like, are you kidding me? And I was ready to like throw down biblically. But I sense... Because Lord knows I can't fight my way out of a paper bag. That's Dana, I need you to go with me. My bodyguard. Here's the thing. Church, we have to get the spirit of what Jesus is trying to say in his first sermon. So here's, here's where I'm going to leave this. This week, I'm going to tell you how to live the blessed life. How many want to know how to live the blessed life? You know what that means. Come on. I'm going to tell you how to live the blessed life this week. Next week, I'm going to warn you against false teachers because that's what Jesus did in his first sermon. And then the week after that, there's a special speaker who will keep uh, on the rap, on the low. And he'll talk about Cornelius. He'll, he'll talk about the Roman centurion. So this week, I'm going to talk about the blessed life. And then that's the first half of Jesus' message, the Sermon on the Mount. Next week, I'm going to talk to you about false teachers, about how to identify and how to stay away. Um, so I, I really want to jump in quickly because uh, I've already wasted so much time. Just kidding, it wasn't a waste. Luke chapter 6, verse 20. And he lifted up his eyes on his disciples. The context of the Sermon on the Mount, don't miss this, Luke says is that Jesus was preaching this sermon to who? His disciples. You're going to see how this sermon will also be a couple of broad strokes for those that were in the crowd, but he's preaching this message, especially this first part, to his disciples. Blessed be ye poor, 
for yours is the kingdom of God. Verse 21. Blessed are ye that hunger now, for ye shall be filled. Blessed are ye that weep now, for ye shall laugh. Blessed are ye when men shall hate you, and when they shall separate you from their company, and shall reproach you and cast out your name as evil for the Son of Man's sake. Listen to verse 23. Rejoice ye in that day, and leap for joy. For behold, your reward is great in heaven. For in the like manner did their fathers unto the prophets. Check this out. But woe. Everybody say, woe. Woe. Turn to your neighbor and say, woe. There you go. That means hold up. Listen to it. But woe unto you that are rich. Yeah, let's find a seat. I'm getting distracted. But woe unto you that are rich, for ye have received your consolation. Woe unto you that are full. For ye shall hunger. Woe unto you that laugh now. For ye shall mourn and weep. Woe unto you when all men shall speak well of you. For so did their fathers to the false prophet. Church, do you see the contrast? There's the blessed and then there's the woes. The blessings and the woes. How to live a blessed life and how to live a cursed life. That's the contrast. I asked you earlier, how many want to live a blessed life? Come on. Only, only a quarter of you. How many want to live the best life? Yeah, I want to live the best life. The blessed life. The one that Jesus has for me. Matthew 5, 1-12 gives us insight into what Luke is trying to say. We're going to compare. Listen up, church. We're going to compare these two to bring out from the text what Jesus was saying to his who? Who was Jesus speaking to? His disciples. That's key in the context. Matthew 5, 1-12, through 12, just listen to it. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Everybody say, in spirit. in spirit. That gives illumination to what Luke is trying to say. Yes or no? Yes. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Watch this. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness. Context. Hello, flags should be going up. If we go back to Luke chapter 6, to our text, to our next chapter, next verse, if you will. Verse 20 says, And he lifted up his eyes to his disciples and said, Blessed be ye poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. After reading what we read in Matthew, and now looking back to our text in Luke, is he talking about poor as in a monetary value? Yes or no? No. He ain't talking about money. Mm Mm-mm. He's talking about your spirit. He's speaking to 12 that he just set aside and said, you 12 are going to be responsible for taking the gospel to the world. That's that's not a big deal, is it? (laughs) No pressure. (laughs) Jesus' first sermon to his disciples, the first message that he gives to them is how to live a blessed life. And he didn't talk about cars and clothes and 20 foes. He was talking about their spirit. He wasn't talking about what they made during the week. He was talking about who they were on the inside. That's where we have to focus. It's easy for us to go, and it's, it's our initial reaction to go to our, our resources. This is what I have. This is what I've built. This is what I've done. I'll do my best to uh, allocate the way God wants me to. 
He's like, I'm not concerned. Also, think about the context. What did the disciples just do? They were elected to be with him 24-7. They already walked away from their businesses. They already walked away from their savings account. That's not entered into this equation because it had nothing to do with their lives at that moment. So look into the context. They had already surrendered to follow Jesus. And Jesus was now speaking into their spiritual lives. How many of you need help in your spiritual life this morning? Come on, so do I. I'm like, I'm broke spiritually. You know what I'm saying? There have been, there's just been seasons in my life where I'm just like, I just don't, I feel broke. I don't feel rich in faith. There's an old song, remember that one? I'm a rich in faith and a hope and love. I got more of my share. I'll be moving to a mansion just over in the glory where I'm a rightful heir. Anybody know that one? I don't feel rich sometimes in faith. There are times when I do, but there are a lot of times when I don't. So I want to help build you up this morning to live a blessed life, not a cursed life. Open up your hearts this morning, I pray and I ask you. Let's break this passage down. Look at verse number 20. Blessed be ye poor. Think about it, for yours is the kingdom. Matthew's saying, poor in spirit. So, here's what I want you to see in this passage. He gives four, blessed are. Three of them describe the sinner, and one of them describes how the world views the sinner. And you're going to see that. So the first three that I'm going to tell you, Jesus was going hard in the paint with the gospel. Jesus was kicking the door of their heart wide open and saying, let me explain to you something why I am here. Think about now the crowd of onlookers. Think about those that as Jesus came down the mountain full of glory from God, His Father who's calling the shots, who's leading His path, and Jesus pulls up on the ledge and He says, now is time. It's time to preach the message to My disciples and the multitudes gathered to hear. Why? We already read it. Because they wanted healing. They wanted Him to touch them. They wanted Him to cast out their demons. They wanted Him to fix their physical bodies and their physical ailments. And Jesus did it. Why? Because Jesus was proving over and over to the Jewish people that He was the Son of God. But there were 12 there that had gotten past that. There were 12 there. He came into His own and His own received Him not. But as many as received Him, the Bible says, the 12 or the 11, to them gave He power to become the sons of God. He was speaking into their lives and He said, Blessed are the poor in that crowd, probably on the fringes of the crowd, were the Pharisees. Always there, waiting for Him to make a mistake. So that they could tweet the latest, did you see him move on the Sabbath? At the Sanhedrin. Let me put it on Instagram, that picture real quick, and share it to all of my followers, uh, what I saw Jesus do during Passover. What I saw Jesus do in the temple. Right? They were looking for him to make a mistake. Why? Because they only knew how to be rich in what they knew. They were not poor. 
They were the opposite of poor. Jesus looks at his disciples and he says, be poor in spirit. Don't be full or rich in spirit. What does that mean? The hypocrites and the Pharisees said, Jesus, you don't have it right. We do. I have all that I need. But Ephesians 2, 8 and 2, 8 and 9 says, For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of your what? Selves. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. The Bible says that we cannot, through our good works, get ourselves to heaven. Your actions, your deeds cannot fill your spirit up to the point that you are rich enough to make it and buy your ticket to heaven. Jesus was literally speaking directly into the culture and saying, you're not good. You're a sinner. Part of the problem with us not living the blessed life is because we are looking inside of ourselves for something that is not there. Your expectation determines your what? Experience. I say that often. And if you expect out of your own self to merit or get good works to happen for you to earn your way to get to heaven, let me tell you something. It ain't going to happen. What's the problem with that? Religion is saying the opposite. There are churches out there that are saying... If you win a certain amount of people in shopping malls and at college campuses and you walk up to the, and tap them on the back and say, have you uh, thought about keeping the Passover? And you win them to your faith, then you're going to make it to heaven because you're doing good works. When you read the core tenets of the world society cult, just kidding, Church of God, but seriously, it is massive following Convert people to to do exactly what your leader, whoever that guy was, and whatever he's telling you to do, and you'll earn your way to get to heaven. The Pharisees of the time were watching Jesus preach this message, and they didn't need a darn thing. They came to the feet of the Son of God, full, rich in spirit. Can you imagine if Jesus was sitting here today? And I could go to him and say, you truly are the Son of God. Fill me up. Put your love within me. Put your grace upon me. Because I cannot. I am without. Romans 3.23. Romans 3.10. As it is written, I am not righteous, Jesus. Church, we will not live the blessed life until we realize that we, we personally are not blessed. We personally cannot fulfill what only Jesus can fulfill. So how does the sinner feel? If you want the kingdom, verse 21, I'm sorry, verse 20, you must be poor. What does that mean? Spiritually broken. Spiritually broken. The Jews thought that they were good because of their heritage and their traditions. Are you leaning this morning on your heritage or on your traditions? Jesus said, they're no good. You must find yourself spiritually poor. What's the second thing? Hungry. Blessed are they that hunger now, for they shall be filled. I think of a scripture passage in Psalms where David says, As the deer panteth 
for the water. It's all good. She just knows she's getting dedicated in a minute. She's fine. She's echoing what the preacher's saying. I'm good with it. Church, listen to me. It makes it really bad when everybody stares at her. Stare up here. Come on now. Don't stare. That's not nice. That's not polite. (laughs) Everybody's like... (laughs) I love it. It's funny. She didn't, but I I thought it was funny. People are like sheep. You open the gate and they walk through it. There's a crying baby. Let's all stare. Who cares what the mother thinks? (laughs) It's funny. (laughs) And we don't believe the Bible, really. Those that are poor in spirit... Jesus looked at the Pharisees in this message and punched them right in their spiritual face. You think you got it all together. But you don't. Woe unto you. Hey, disciples, let me explain something to you. Don't think that you add anything to what I'm giving you. What I have is already bought and paid for. Not one cent of your good works contributed to this. you got to remember that. Make sense? Number two, those that are hungry. Blessed are the hungry because they shall be filled. Church, here's where we, we, where we miss the mark and meet every day. How do I know that I'm poor in spirit? I know because I'm hungry for the things of God. I know that I'm right on point number one when I wake up in the a.m. and I go, I cannot wait to get a hold of the word of God. I cannot wait to get to my prayer time. I cannot wait to get in, get alone with my relationship with God because I will be filled. I came poor. I came broken. I came not having anything, so therefore I'm hungry. I need it. What I don't have, only you can give me. That's the message of the Sermon on the Mount. He looked to his disciples and he said, for years, 400 years of silence between the Old Testament and the New Testament. You know what the last word of the Old Testament is? Look it up. It's cursed. They were cursed. 400 years of silence from the last prophet speaking until John the Baptist came. And when Jesus preached his first message, what was the first word out of his mouth? Blessed. You want to do it on your own in the Old Testament? You want to do it in the law? Pharisees, you want to fill yourself up of spiritual wealth? You're cursed. Over here, I'll bless you if you come hungry. That's the Sermon on the Mount. Blessed are you that are poor. You're going to come to me. Blessed are you that are hungry because you're going to come to eat at my table. Psalm 23. Number three. Blessed are you that are crying. Look at verse number 21, the end. Blessed are ye that weep now, for ye shall laugh. Church, if you're hungry, you'll be filled spiritually hungry. Listen. If you're crying, you're going to laugh. What does this mean? A repentant attitude. Church, this is some serious stuff here, man. Do you truly feel bad about where you fall short? I'm not here to preach condemnation. I'm just here to set the record straight. If I truly believe that I can't do anything to be blessed, I'm going to come hungry He's going to fill me. That's going to produce sorrow in my physical nature. But watch. Laughter in the spiritual realm. 
I come broken. I come broken to be mended. I come wounded to be healed. I come desperate to be rescued. I come empty to be filled. I come guilty to be pardoned by the blood of Christ the Lamb. And I'm welcomed with open arms. Praise God just as I am. That's the Sermon on the Mount. I'm sorry, God. How many, when was the last time you went into your prayer closet and you just told him how bad you were? And you came out saying you were so good. But that's a trouble. If we don't come poor, we're not hungry spiritually. Therefore, we're laughing at other people who are experiencing blessedness in that. Did you see them? <laughs> they gave all their money to the church. What's wrong with those people? They give 10% of what God's given them? They give their whole Sunday to the work of the Lord? She prepares all week to teach little kids? What's wrong with these people? Go get a boat. Go get a hobby. Go do something for you. That's what the culture's telling you. But I, I just come broken and I get filled. I'm coming hungry, getting the best meal I've ever eaten in the presence of the Lord. How do I know that that's the attitude of the the world? Look at the last one, verse number 22. Blessed are ye when men shall hate you, when they shall separate you from their company, and shall reproach you. What does that mean? They're, They're scorning you. And cast you, cast out your name as evil for the Son of Man's sake. Look at verse 23. Rejoice. That is so counterintuitive. Church, stay with me. Wait a minute. That scripture is telling me, Jose, that when men are pushing me out, that I need to be happy about that? How many know that that's counterintuitive to, to the way we feel in our flesh? When men shall say, you're an idiot. You don't know what you're doing. Why would you, why, why would you say that you're not a good person? You are a good person. You do good things all the time. No, I don't. I'm a sinner. Anything good that comes of me comes from God. The Father of light sent down, First Peter said, in whom there is no variableness. I get the only wisdom that I have from God. There's nothing good in me. If it's up to me, I'll still cheat, kick, (laughs) claw just to get one more thing for my selfish nature. But God, thanks be to God who saved me, who filled me, who has secured me. Men, when they they do that to you, and I don't mean men, I mean the world. That's what this is saying. Three were for the sinner. The fourth one is the world looking at the sinner. Listen, rejoice. Because that means you're doing it right. That means you're doing it right. How many want to live a blessed life now? (laughs) Nope. Look at verse 23. 24, I'm sorry. But woe unto you that are rich, for ye have received your consolation. Look at it. Woe unto you that are full, verse 25, for ye shall be hungry. Woe unto you that laugh now, for ye shall mourn and weep. Verse 26. Woe unto you when men shall speak well of you, for so did their fathers to the false prophets. Church, Now or later? How many know the candy? Now and later. (laughs) 
Church, listen to me. You can choose to live your life now for the Lord and make your eternity great. What do I mean by that? Listen to this statement. 70 years of sacrifice produces an eternity of satisfaction. 70 years of satisfaction produces a sacrificed eternity. Y'all tweet that one once, maybe twice. You know what I'm saying. What am I saying? I'm saying if you don't look at your life now, the three score and ten, as what you can do for God, you're going to be spending your eternity wishing you had done something for Him during the 70. That's That's what the woes are. Blessed are you that get this now. Woe unto you that didn't get it. Because there's a hell. There's an eternity. I feel like we're just not, as a church, myself included, we are just not living for the kingdom that's coming. We go to McDonald's. I'm so guilty. Why? Because I want food now. I want that promotion so that I can have that thing, whatever it is, now. I'm using physical things as an example to show our culture, right? Now think about this. Spiritually speaking, we take that into our walk with God. I'm okay. Listen, church. I'll I'll make that spiritual decision next week. I'll commit to that ministry maybe in a month. I'll I'll, I'll get to that point where where I'm faithful to the Lord. Maybe in, 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 uh, I'll start Christmas time. And then I'll go into the new year, and, and, and I won't miss a Sunday. <laughs> Do you, we take that into our spiritual lives. Oh, I'll walk with God tomorrow. Oh, I'll catch up on all those chapters that I've already missed. We do that because of our nature. You have to fight that. Why? Because if you don't realize, in this three score and ten, your 70 years here on earth that God has for us, you're going to have a really miserable eternity. Do you want it now or do you want it later? What does the blessed life look like to you? Saved and serving. If I were to ask you, how many of you feel like you're, you're blessed? Yeah. What's the first thing that comes to your mind when I say blessed? Is it the physical things around you? Come on now, tell the truth. I'm blessed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. God's given me everything. What in the, what in the sense of, of Job? The Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. What if tomorrow you woke up and you lost your health? Would you still be blessed? Some of you have experienced that. You woke up the next day and, and you lost your health. You're 110% still blessed. Because God has eternity in mind. God has forever in mind when he made you. He created you in his image. Anthony and I, we had a great conversation the other day. Talking about creation and and all the wonderful things that come along with that. Think about the fact that God made you, listen church, with forever in mind. He didn't make you with tomorrow in mind. That's, That's why he said, I promise to supply all your what? need. He's trying to say to you, forget about the physical. I'm worried about the spiritual. Forget about 
your next meal. I'm good for that. Are you poor in spirit? Are you hungry for the things of God? Are you you weeping in Him? What do I mean? Do you have a repentant attitude when you do something wrong? I sinned. I'm living in sin. I feel horrible about it because I'm blessed. You know, I feel for everyone that is in the world that does not know Jesus. Because they commit sin, they do things that they shouldn't, and listen, a lot of them don't even feel bad about it. Cursed be them. Heaping to themselves coals of fire. But are you living the blessed life? I'm not a prosperity gospel preacher. I'm not somebody to come in here and say, okay, you just give to the Lord and He'll take care of everything else. (laughs) You just take care of me, okay? (laughs) God bless you. (laughs) That's not me. I firmly believe this. Listen to me, church. I firmly believe that if I can speak into your spirit, that the Holy Spirit will lead you to do what He wants you to do.